I'm in a wilderness season. And I know what that always means is I'm feeling far from God. Are you talking about wilderness seasons from the Bible? Because wilderness seasons from the Bible, those were when the people were closest to God. When we're free from sin, which happened the moment we believed in him, then everything we do from now on is never out of a place of trying to walk into forgiveness, never out of a place of trying to get forgiven, never out of a place of trying to become something. It is, I have became something, now I'm offering up. In an attempt to find freedom, you then go and do the very things that you were controlled not to in the name of freedom because I'm free. I can do whatever I want, but then the things you are drawn to are the things that you know, stealing life from you. You become a slave to the very things that you thought would provide you freedom. Submitting yourself unto the lordship of Jesus, cognitive dissonance says, I'm not free. But when you submit to the king, the good king, the good father, the one who knows what's best for you, what used to be you wanted to rebel, then you submit and you find life. Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Today is going to be a fun one. I feel like God's put a topic on my heart and in Brayden's heart, which is surrender. I just want to kick it off with a question with, with you, Brayden. When you think of a surrendered life to Jesus, what comes to mind? What metrics do you use to measure that? How does that play out? What? How does that look in your opinion? I mean, the first thing I think about is just what your life looks like behind closed doors living by faith and whenever you're not feeling it you know whenever it's not easy because there's times when being a christian is convenient it's a lot more convenient when you're at church and sometimes it's not easy to get to go to church but there's times when it's just more convenient right you're you're getting the the praises of people for for being a, a follower of christ and but it's whenever it's someone wronged you it's not convenient and doesn't always feel right until you're until you really get used to it. it doesn't always feel right to be forgiving and it doesn't always feel right to just love people when the hard moments come that's when it really tests you what kind of christian you're going to be like when we look at trials and struggles you think about it at the winter you know summer is going to come it's on the calendar you know these trials will end but then when you're in summer you don't think i mean when you're in the peaceful times with God, when you're in the good times with God, you're like, oh, this is bliss. This is everything. Yeah. But then when you're in a hard environment, when you're working out, when you're in an ice bath for two minutes, that two minutes feels like an eternity. Hard times feel like an eternity, right? But the analogy of like trials will end, we also know that winter is also after summer. If you're in winter, we know summer is going to come, but we also know winter is going to come back again. And it's likewise with our trials is that, yes, trials will end, but also they will return. Like a yeah. life is defined by ups and downs by your circumstances, but our identity in Jesus is like a flat line, like concrete can't be moved. Our identity can't be shaken. So a lot of times when we look at, yeah, our trials will end and our trials will become better, but they also will return. So if you, like we talked about last week, if you're identified by your circumstances, your life will always be a roller coaster. It's just faith. You know, surrender is just faith, right? And we wouldn't think of Abraham as being someone that's full of faith if God wouldn't have told him to go sacrifice Isaac, right? Mm. Was it easy? No, it's it's in the time of testing that you can actually see the yeah. the fullness of your faith. So I, I just think that that's what comes to mind with surrender is in those moments, not wavering, you know, not even caring about what's going on, just just being the same. 
Literally, I looked at the definition of Lord, and it means someone having power, authority, or influence, master, or ruler. When you look at surrender, the definition of surrender is ceasing to resist. What Lord is, someone who's having power and authority, that literally means you are giving that up. We love control. We love power. We love to... The idea of freedom in our life, and this is the crazy part about the Christian paradigm, so to say, is that when you grow up in a you know a Christian household, if that's your story, or even if you've just heard of religion, you think... Don't drink. Don't do this. Don't do that. A list of rules. So then in an attempt to find freedom, you then go and do the very things that you were controlled not to in the name of freedom because I'm free. I can do whatever I want. But then the things you are drawn to are the things that are there for, you know, stealing life from you. And you become to the you, you become a slave to the very things that you thought would provide you freedom. But when you look at true freedom, it is submission to something which we know is jesus but even the people who you look at uh great team players greats i mean people people who people who follow ideologies which we know that in and of itself like in theory they're like they just devote their life to something but that's still in and of itself is it's good you can see some earthly benefits to that stuff but it's submission to jesus that provides full life because it removes the decision-making factors of our life. It takes us out of the equation. Yeah. Because when you look at, like, this, when you're growing up and your dad tells you to take out the trash, your dad tells you to do a list of chores, your decision-making factor is then removed because your father has told you to do something. Right. When you look at a coach, we're playing, me and you are basketball players, when you look at basketball players, we're going to run flex, we're going to run this play, we're going to run floppy like we do on 2K, right? You're going to run this play. Coach tells you you run the play. Decision-making factor in, in a perfect scenario. Might I add not, we're not LeBron James calling everything. But, like, it removes the decision-making factor. It removes you from the equation. And to make it extremely practical in the equation of Jesus, when you submit to Jesus, it's decisions are made for him and for other people. You are out of the equation. Which, it's the idea of s- submitting yourself unto the lordship of Jesus Count cognitive dissonance says I'm not free, but when you submit to the king, the good king, the good father, the one who knows what's best for you, and what what used to be you wanted to rebel, then you submit and you find life, which is yeah. crazy. I I've been thinking about this idea and the the moment we and it's something we touched on last time was just the moment you believe in Jesus, you become free, right? But there's thought processes that you live in that can, if you're living in it, can cause you to believe you're not free, right? Yeah. Just because you are free, if you go off and you never spend time with the Lord and you're always, even if you're just always watching TV, there's ideologies that are going to come upon you if you're not renewing your mind with, with who Jesus is on a continuous basis. And you're going to believe you're not free because we you're told your whole life that you know, you're, you you tell yourself your whole life that, uh, you know, you're not good with this, you're not this, you're, I can't do that, I can't do that, instead of, I'm free, and that's who I am, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, it doesn't, for there to be fruit, it's not a matter of what Jesus, of Jesus just doing it, right? It's by grace through faith, right? It's in our belief that we actually step into, and you, then you see someone actually walking it out. You see someone walking and talking it out, because, um... It's from their faith, not just what Jesus did. I mean, truthfully, I mean, I've never made a statement this this pro- profound before, but I mean, when you're 
doing a podcast with Keenan and Nash that comes out. Like, you're going to make profound statements. But I think we have an identity crisis in America, which doesn't seem like a profound statement. But, like, when I was thinking about it, I was like, we, when you're, when you, we were designed, we were created in the image of God. In the garden, Adam and Eve had perfect relationship, but they were also perfectly submissive. They yeah. were perfectly walking with Jesus. They understood the creator to the created. They um, literally, God pulled a rib from Adam to create Eve. They understood the power dynamics and it was always in harmony. Then they ate of the apple and then they hid from God. Submission, sin brought a broken submission, surrendered relationship. The relationship with God, the pecking order became, began broken because their eyes were open to the things that only God was supposed to know. Right, sin. We were, we were washed clean. There were sons. When you look at the things being doubted today, even like you look at a driver's license, what's on there? Your your eye color, your birthday, your driver's license number, your sex. If you look at the most fundamental form of identity in our society today, there's sex on your ID, and even that's being like like uh, distorted. People don't know what gender they are. Which is crazy, and I believe it's like an exponential growth curve. Is like sin continues and continues and continues to distort our view of identity when we're really being called to come back to a submission to the Father, which ultimately is the one who created us. I think we've strayed so far from God that when we look in the mirror, we more look more like the devil than we do Jesus. Which, that's a profound statement, like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? And what I mean by that is Ephesians 1 through 3, it says that we used to follow the desires of our flesh, being, we were slaves to the desires of our flesh, pursuing the desires of the body, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. When you look, there's no gray area about who you're following in the Bible, which is a mind-boggling thought. If you are not following Jesus... Therefore, the Bible says that you are following the prince of the power of the air, which is a name for the devil. And when you look at what I look like, what I smell like, if you are around a campfire, you will then begin to smell like smoke. What smoke do you smell like? Do you, are you reeking of the, of the world, of the earth, of society, of culture? Because if you do, you are resembling more the presence of the power of the air because he is the leader of the world. He runs the world. He distorts the perspectives of the world. Or do you conform by truth? And, and I know these are profound statements. And later, I want to like get like a, I want to provide a baseline understanding of why I believe the things of Jesus are good. Good. Like, how can I sit up here and say that the things of the world aren't good? And how can I say that things of Jesus are good? Why do you have that authority? And I'm going to unpack that later. But like. I think it's an interesting thought to ask what you smell like, what you look like, and what that means for who you're following. It's crazy thought here, Brayden. But I was thinking when you when you talk to a person who is genuinely interested in Jesus, right? It's easy like, "Hey, I have the answers. Jesus is the answer." But when you're talking to somebody who when their desires, their emotions, and their affections are affirming a sinful action, are affirming this life path that they have chosen for themselves, that they feel like this is good, they feel happy. It's easy to dis it's 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 harder to disagree with them in like when you're having a conversation versus when somebody says like I'm broken, I'm depressed, like I need answers and then God's working in their life and they come to a Christian and we're like we have the answer and then you disciple them, right? Right. My heart right now is for the person who believes they're walking good even if it's counter to Jesus 
And my response to that is that when you look at the realities of the spiritual realm, heaven, hell, all of these things, Jesus dying on the cross, sin, um, the demonic forces at play, um, angels, all like when you look at a reality, a reality is present whether or not you acknowledge that reality. So even though ignorance, and ignorance may give a connotation of like, you're stupid, but that's not what ignorance means. Ignorance means you're just lacking awareness of that very thing. I had no idea. I was ignorant. Just because you're ignorant of an idea doesn't therefore make it not true or then excuse you from that reality. Um, the reason I think that Jesus can be considered good, Jesus can be considered good when the world can be considered bad, or this can be considered bad, when Jesus can be considered good, is because of the immense love displayed on behalf of a humanity that was completely opposed to his love, completely opposed to him. There was a people that were, I mean, a couple days or a couple weeks, I don't know the exact time span, before he was crucified, were saying that he was riding on the donkey and everyone was cheering and having fun and everybody, he was a popular guy, but then he went to the cross and everyone had disowned him, denied him, betrayed him. And at any point in time, he could have called down angels. He could have, he could have literally revealed to his crucifiers the scriptures that he is the Messiah in a moment. He could have just gave them understanding. He had all power, all authority, yet while we were still sinners and for the ignorant, he still died on their behalf, and he died on the behalf of a people who, because they're ignorant, may never come to a realization that they, that he is the true king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He rose from the dead, and he bridged a gap. He bridged a broken relationship through his blood, through his body being broken, that his immense love for humanity, that even if, if no one ever accepts that love, he still showed that love. He gave them that love, and... And how this ties into whether the things are good, when you look at, this isn't a cop-out, but you look at faith without works is dead. James talks about this, but we always attest that to our works. Jesus talks, God talks about this love that he has for us, he's promised that he has for us, but his works, his action, he attested to it. He could have just forgiven us in a second. He could have said, y'all are good, I forgive you, yet... He had to send his son. He sent he sent his son to bear the penalty of sin in his body, in his perfect body, because there if you were gonna if I was gonna hold that sacrifice for the world, I'm a I'm a false sacrifice because I've sinned. You're a false sacrifice because you the sin the sacrifice had to be perfect. But God backed up his promises by willingly coming himself to be the sacrifice. And I believe that attests to the things of him and the things that he says a lot of people acknowledge him as a good teacher but they don't acknowledge him as lord and if you don't acknowledge him as lord you will never be free from the things that are causing you depression anxiety and brokenness you know i mean that's the biggest thing is i've never met a person that was walking in joy and peace without jesus they're always seeking they're always searching i'm not gonna say i haven't met people that had a smile on their face whenever you know that I've talked to that they have that you know they're rocking a smile on their face whenever they're whatever, but their soul is still searching for things to do to fill yeah. that hole. Right. The only people I know that are at true peace are walking with Jesus, and that's just and that's the just idea the truth. Of 
personal experience definitely plays a factor. But how I have a question. I wrote this down because a lot of times words escape me, so was, I had I just had to write it down. But how to prove that God's ways and commands are good, praiseworthy, and just when there may be a person whose thoughts, feelings, emotions, and desires may be confirming the opposite? Hey, you're saying God's good, but I think sexual immorality is good. Like I think this is good. I think this is good. So how do we how do we have the authority to say that God and Jesus, what He said, is truth? The answer is that there's no way to analyze or look at the ways, actions, thoughts, or things of God and determine that, yes, these things are good. There's no way. Without having the Holy Spirit, God himself, work and reveal these things to you through faith. So it comes through trust, faith surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus and trusting that what God says is good. What God says is good is actually good. So why would you say, oh, oh you just got to surrender and just trust and then just take him at his word but the thing is this is where the cross comes into play because the way we know this in parentheses the fact he is worthy the fact that he is worthy to be trusted the fact that we know to know the things that of jesus are good to know that he is true to know that those things are actually good and we can trust in those things is because of the display of perfect love mercy and grace on the cross and the extent of the spiritual depravity we had that Jesus bridged even when we did not give him credit, worship, or glory, or honor for the act. And despite our ignorance, he displayed his love for humanity by his death on the cross because he yielded the power to do whatever he wanted to do in order that we as far-off sinners may see the perfect love demonstrated and run toward him who has had open arms since the beginning of time. Only by the Holy Spirit producing that in you can you even come to an understanding that he is good. But... To the person who's like, wow, why would I? I mean, that's just giving him the benefit of the doubt. That is the beauty of the cross. That's where the cross comes in because even yeah. it, that is where the attesting of his actions back up the words that he spoke. He, true. And you think about this stuff I don't think about much anymore, but you know, those to those who are questioning and all these things, really there's no reason to, first off. But second off, think of the way that the disciples reacted after the 40 days of Jesus after he had been resurrected, right? These were people that were unshakable. They would be put to death for no reason, right? And they didn't even care. There's no other thing like that. These Christians went ahead and died in love towards the person that was killing them. True suffering isn't putting someone to death. It's seeing someone in agony and in worry and fear when they go to death, and these people weren't that they they didn't get to experience that gratification, right? And like I said last time, that's what love broke down the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I mean by it. They did not know what to do with the Christians after killing them, didn't take the smile off their face. The world wants what you have is when you're absolutely suffering and being torn down, experiencing the worst circumstances in the world, yet you cry out in worship. The world belongs and craves that because their life is in this world their hope is in this world it is fleeting i have a story about love and surrender if it's a young kid you know just pause (laughs) and go to a minute and a half more in the video and it's a story i've heard i you know it could be like just like you know folklore or whatever but um point remains the same point remains the same exactly uh, I think it was a true story, though. Like, I'm almost positive. Um, it was told to me, though. So, anyway, these ladies were on a mission trip, and uh, they got stranded and taken by these men. And these men abused them 
sexually abused them, all these things. And in the midst of all of their the sexual abuse and all that, they would be praying for them, praying for their who was doing that to them in the middle of it. There's only a handful of women and all these men just were, I want to say it was like over a hundred men and um, just using and using these women. They never stopped praying for these men that had taken hold, that were doing them wrong. And one day the whole, the whole tribe of men got saved and they began walking it out. And I think that that's the best representation I've ever heard of a Christian walk right, is praying for someone that is doing the most awful thing to you. Lord, have grace on us that we're going to try to compare to a daily life. That's an extreme, and only a few people go through that, and the amount of faith and the amount of um, the amount of strength that took through the Holy Spirit is insurmountable, is off the charts. So, like, I don't want to just come out of that and make a daily application for, like, go love people today. No, that's, like, profound, but I can make the argument that if you are not loving your enemies in any capacity, you're not following Jesus. You could be saved, you could be going to heaven, yet not revealing, showing, or displaying God's love in an effective manner, therefore not following Jesus how you are supposed to be. If you look at what Jesus did on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. If you read Philippians 2... Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, a shameful cross, a criminal's cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That is how we can boldly get up here and say the things of Jesus are true, are honorable, praiseworthy, worth following. He's king because of why? Being born like some men, he humbled himself to the point of death, and he died on the cross. Because of the action of what, love... What was the first line? Sorry. That he says on Let there. each of you not look only to his own interests, but the interests of others. Is that the first line? No. It's something about so. If there's the first any line. encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full yeah. accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's the first three verses. And I was seeing. Was it? He didn't count it as what to be God or something. Sorry, but I don't you, want to take that out of context. But, but also, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. You have this, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Isn't that wild? God on the earth really didn't take heart in that that very fact. Which is meekness. Exactly. And Having that sword. That should give you so much faith. What other religion what other power what other huge authoritarian person that isn't a christian has this ideal right but what brings me closest to jesus and what brings me closest and is and produces in me the most like awe and wonder is a statement like 
him not even, it's like he's not even concerned with the fact that he's God and he's literally God in the flesh, God on the earth. And he doesn't even, it's not even on his mind, he, right? He understands and he's aware. Exactly. Yet it's not on his mind. He doesn't count it something to be grasped, which grasps in my mind a thing to put identity in, a thing to put worth in. It's crazy. Which that's what we do our whole lives is strive to find things to give us something. I'm a good videographer. I got something. Yet, how about become, which, again, Lord have grace on me for saying this because, I mean, we all need to increase, but Lord, help me be nothing. Help me, help my identity be a servant of the lowest esteem, a lover of other people, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's the crazy part about the Christian walk that I think we're following Jesus for our sake and not for his sake. When you look at the our affections, our affections are driving us like the waves of the sea. And you talk about James, so stop being drifted by the waves of the sea. I have a good day. I have a bad day. I feel far from God. I feel close to God. Man, I sinned. Now I'm depressed. I'm anxious. That's all me, 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 me. If you're soaking yep. in your in the depression of the sin and like, man, I'm such a bad sinner, that is the most selfish thing you could ever do because yeah. you, are, you are undermining the blood of the cross. If you are soaking in Guilt, shame, and condemnation after you sin, whether it's two minutes or 40 days, you are belittling the blood of the cross. You repent, you confess, you repent, son. Yeah. It's, I hear this all the time, and this one I always kind of shut down. It's, I'm in the wilderness season. And I know what that always means is I'm feeling far from God. Mm. And I'm like, are you talking about wilderness seasons from the Bible? Because wilderness seasons from the Bible, those were when the people were closest to God. When when Paul went off, he was having the most intimate times. When John the Baptist was away, he was being taught by angels in the wilderness, literally in the wilderness. Your feelings can be just such a trap. And that's what I said about faith and surrender, I believe, is when you taste it is whenever... You're not feeling it. And it's nothing more gratifying than not feeling it and then go ahead and walk in faith and be like, no, I don't feel like being loving towards this person, but I'm going to choose to do it. I'm sure Abraham wasn't like, man, I just, I'm just itching to bubbling. sacrifice myself. I'm son. just bubbling over. I'm just like in the bliss of God as I go and sacrifice my son. He wasn't. It was accredited to him as righteousness being Abraham because he did not waver concerning the promises of God. When you do not concern, waver concerning the promises of God, that is faith. You believe. You have confidence. Think about the Old Testament when people were, were making sacrifices for their sin. Mm-hmm. You don't find in the Bible anytime God counts it as righteousness for someone making the sacrifice to atone for their own sin. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't find that. Um what does David say? I know you don't delight in sacrifices. Those type of, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. what are they? They're just atonement for who? For me. Yeah. In the same way, the delight of God is on the sacrifice of walking in faith. Don't offer God just up your sin, right? Don't offer to God just your, ah, I messed up today. I apologize. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Offer up the good. Offer up your best. Offer up what is 
what do you have? It's not about being, just being free from sin. That happened the moment you walked with Jesus. It's not about just being forgiven of sin. If you're stuck at living like that, then you're not you're not walking in the fullness of God, right? This life now is about giving back what you can never give back, right? Giving back anything and everything you have, your best, right? Your worship, your love, your compassion, your forgiveness, your grace, right? So I just wanted to, I don't know, I just want to get in the, I guess it's kind of in the weeds on that stuff, but I just think that it's important to understand that, you know, Jesus didn't, he didn't sin at all, right? And he he gave everything he was. He gave him his best, mm-hmm. right? So if Jesus is our example, then when we're free from sin, which happened the moment we believed in him, then everything we do from now on is never out of a place of trying to walk into forgiveness, never out of a place of trying to get forgiven, never out of a place of trying to become something. It is, I have became something, now I'm offering up because I actually have something to offer up. I didn't have anything to offer before, but now that I, I live in Jesus, I have everything I need. I have everything I desire, so let me give back. You know what I mean? Trying to follow God, yet we are trying to control yeah. something in our lives. And imagine Jesus saying, hey, why, like, come follow me, and then you didn't go follow him because of something, and you missed out on an eternity in bliss heaven in the presence of god we get god crying out holy 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 no pain no sickness you missed out because you were holding on to a futile idea it's so thing uh i'm gonna steal this from jonathan pokluda he um talks about uh how to catch a baboon and it's i've seen this video before but he reminded me of it when i watched the video but when you try to catch a baboon they put a they cut a hole in a termite mound which the termite mound is like concrete they put a little ball in there and the baboon watches them because they're curious animals and then the baboon, when the guy leaves, goes and sticks his hand in the hole in the termite mound, tries to grab the ball, but then can't get his hand out, can't get his hand out, right? And then the guy comes up, gets a lasso, puts it around his neck, catches the baboon, he's just like, he can't get his arm out, and all he had to do was let go of the ball. And you can't, he uh-huh. can't get his arm out. Surrender, if we take ourselves out of the equation and the things we want, then we can begin to see clearly, but our minds are clouded by self-centeredness. Our emotions can be deceiving sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's the end of this episode. Thank you all again for watching the King Division podcast. We pray this is a resource for you all. Share it with a friend. Um, Maybe evangelize and show them a YouTube channel, dare I say. I did that before, like when we had... 50 subscribers which was crazy yes um please god bless y'all and we'll see y'all in the next episode